All right, Mel, can you get us on the title? You're going to have to control from back there tonight. I bring pictures. I like pictures. <laughs> oh, we don't have anything working. Okay, that's fine. Galatians chapter 6. We began our study of Galatians back October of last year. And uh, we've made it now to Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to be in verses 6 through 10 tonight. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge that you are the author of this book. And Lord, you're the teacher. You're the instructor. By your spirit, you can help us to understand. And Lord, you're the enabler. You give us the power to live out these truths. Lord, I pray that you would give us clear understanding. And that by the power of your Holy Spirit... You'll teach. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Many, many years ago, I earned a Bachelor of Science degree in electrical engineering at New Mexico State University. Many years ago, like five years ago, no longer than that. <laughs> and as you might expect in the discipline of engineering, I got very familiar with and learned a lot of math, formulas, equations. And those equations, those formulas, are solid. They work because they're based upon indisputable laws, like the law of gravity, laws of science, laws of physics, chemistry, statics, dynamics, all of that. And I got to tell you, still to this day, I love that stuff. I love calculations. I love straightforward answers. I love 2 plus 2 equals 4. I like the straightforward law. And I got to tell you, when I became a pastor full-time, the transition from numbers to people was hard. I discovered that working with numbers is a lot easier than working with people. Now, I love people, but we're complex. We don't fit in these nice mathematical formula packages. But those laws that I learned, man, they fit. They worked. And tonight, Paul speaks of a basic law of nature in our passage, a principle or order and consistency which is written into all of life. And I'll bet you've heard of this law. Look at it in verse 7. Paul says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also what? For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit 
will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So the law of sowing and reaping. You will reap what you sow. That law is irrefutable. That law is immutable. It can't be altered. It can't change. And that law is inescapable. You know that it works, obviously, in agriculture. You reap what you sow. If you sow corn, you don't reap green chili. If you sow corn, what do you reap? Corn. If you want a big wheat harvest, that doesn't just happen by itself. You have to sow a lot of wheat. And the harvest that you reap is fully dependent on the quality and quantity of the seed that you sow. If you sow bad seed, bad crop. If you sow good seed, good crop. If you sow a little, you get a little. If you sow a lot, you get a lot. Works every time. The law of sowing and reaping. We see it in other areas of life. I think uh, you see it in the area of physical health. What's going to happen if you only eat fast food and donuts and you sit around on a couch all day smoking cigarettes watching TV? That's sowing bad things and you're going to reap poor health. But if you have a good nutritional, well-balanced diet, you exercise, you avoid bad habits, well, you're sowing good things, and you'll reap better health. If you put time, attention, diligence, responsibility into a project, work hard at it, you should expect to get benefit. If you're lazy, reckless, irresponsible, you're not going to reap good things. So we all get this law. Now what I want to do tonight is I want to apply the law of sowing and reaping to our lives as Christians in different ways. And it's a very important topic. So in verse 8, Paul says that the law of sowing and reaping absolutely is effective in your spiritual health. Your spiritual growth, development, your spiritual fruitfulness, rewards that you might get later. Paul says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, I believe that that verse applies to Christians. That verse is not for unbelievers. That verse is for true, born, again, Christians. Now, you remember what we've learned in Galatians, and you also see it taught in the book of Romans. When you become a born-again Christian, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are born again. You're given a new heart, a new nature. You're given the Spirit. And that new nature in you, in Christ, wants to do good things. 
He wants to do good spiritual things. It wants to please God. It wants to live a holy life. But you also have the old nature. The old you, which Paul refers to as the flesh. And that's that part that still wants to rebel to do bad things. And as we've seen in the book of Galatians several times, there's a war in you between the flesh and the spirit. They're contrary to one another. They fight. They battle. And it's a fight that's waged every day. And it's a battle that will be waged every day for the rest of your life till you get to heaven. Now, how do we win that battle on a day-by-day basis? Well, it depends on what you sow to. So, Paul says, if you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. I mean, if you feed your flesh, if you nurture your flesh, if you submit to your old nature, you will reap corruption. The Greek word for corruption has to do with something that's spoiling, has to do with something that's rotting, something that's Decaying. I do not believe this verse teaches that if a true born-again Christian sows to the flesh, they lose their salvation. I believe if a true born-again Christian sows to the flesh, they spoil. Their growth stagnates. They're not fruitful. They don't have a, a close walk with Jesus like they should. They forfeit future rewards. I also believe that if, if, if a true born-again Christian sows to the flesh, they can make quite a mess of their life. You can have severe consequences. You say, yeah, but God forgives. Yes, he does forgive. But there can be great consequences. It's been said, if a man sins against his body... Sooner or later, he will pay in ruined health, even if he's forgiven. If a man sins against his loved ones, sooner or later, hearts will be broken, even if he is forgiven. Listen, payday someday. Period. John B. Goh, the great temperance orator who had lived a reckless early life, used to tell young people this warning. The scars remain. Gang, listen, I know good born-again Christians who have lost their marriage because they sowed to the flesh. I have known good born-again Christians who've gone to jail because they sowed to the flesh. If you sow to the flesh, even as a born-again Christian, there can be terrible consequences. If you sow to the Spirit, what do you reap? Everlasting life. Now, please remember that everlasting life is more than a destination. Everlasting life is actually 
a higher quality of life that you enjoy right now. You know, a lot of people think of eternal life as what happens after this life. You die and you go into eternal life. No, if you're a Christian, you have eternal life right now. Jesus said in John 5, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. You give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are given eternal life, a higher quality of life. Jesus called it the abundant life. Those who sow to the Spirit enjoy eternal life here and now in a way which other Christians do not. If you sow to the Spirit, you grow. You become more fruitful. You become stronger. You live a higher quality of life. Now, I really want to hammer this. That law is in effect in your life. The law of sowing and reaping. Paul says, don't be deceived. You know, there are a lot of people who get deceived. They think, well, the law of sowing and reaping doesn't apply to me. It applies to that guy over there. Right? But they're not as smart as me. I can get around it. Don't you dare be deceived like that. That law applies to you. Or you might say, the law of sowing and reaping would apply in one area of my life, and I need to do that, but not so much in this area. I can handle that, Lord. Don't be deceived. Paul said, don't be deceived. God is not Mocked, that's a word that means to turn the nose up at, to sneer. You might be that person that says, God, the law of sonary. Yeah, you, you don't really mean that. You don't really mean that, right? No, God is not mocked. The law of sowing and reaping is in effect. And so my... Exhortation to myself and to you every day. Choose not to sow to the flesh. In fact, choose to starve the flesh. Or as Christ, as Paul tells us in other places, mortify the flesh, crucify the flesh, deny the old you oxygen. Don't feed into your flesh. Be careful what you listen to, what you watch what you read, the people that you hang out with. Choose every day to sow to the Spirit. Fill your mind with the Bible. Fill your mind with good things. Save your closest relationships in life for godly men and women. The biggest influences in your life should be men and women of truth. Make those choices. I found this quote that I just thought was so powerful. Something for us all to consider. 
Gang, we are all free to choose, but we are not free to choose the consequences of our choice. That's the law of sowing and reaping. And that law has an impact on your growth as a Christian. Okay, look up at verse 6. We saw this last week, but I want to look at it from a different angle. It says, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Now, we touched on this last week, and that verse does speak a lot about church leadership and what the responsibilities of a church leader is and the pastor. And I told you that a pastor's primary role in a church is to teach the word. That's what I'm called to do. That's what I labor in. But please understand that it's not just pastors that are called to teach the word, to share truth, to preach the gospel. All of us are. We are all called to do whatever we can to share Bible knowledge with other people, to share the gospel with other people, to share Bible verses with other people. And there's this really powerful analogy that you will find throughout the scripture, Old and New Testament, which speaks of what teaching the word is like. It's exactly like sowing seed. Every time you teach the Bible, every time you give somebody a biblical verse, you're sowing seed. Isaiah 55, there's an agricultural feel to it. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The idea is the word of God is so powerful. It causes things to grow. It causes things to be born. One of the most famous parables that Jesus taught was the parable of the sower sowing seed. You remember that parable? A parable when a sower went out to sow seed. And he's just like this guy. He's grabbing in his bag and he's throwing seed. And some seed lands on the hard path, doesn't penetrate the soil, the birds come and get it. Some soil uh, lands on rocky ground, shallow ground, doesn't get any roots, doesn't really become fruitful. Some seed falls on uh, the thorny ground, the weeds grow up and choke it out. And then some seed lands on very good soil and it sinks deep and it grows and it blossoms and it bears an amazing crop, some 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. The disciples asked Jesus, what's that all about? And Jesus said, the seed that's being sown is the word of God. 
And I just want to encourage you tonight. This book is so powerful. The truths contained in this, in this book, the very word of God, it's seed. And all of us as Christians should be sowing. Take every opportunity you can to share truth with people. And you will yield or reward. God will bless the sowing of the seed of his word. I do believe that every time you give truth, every time you give truth, every time you give a Bible verse, God does something. I mean, the, the parable of the sower talks about the four different hearts and how some hearts re. But I mean, keep throwing seed. Maybe the hearts change, right? Paul speaks about some of us are called to be those that plant a seed. And that might be when you share something, you plant a seed. And then there's a process water, 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 right? And maybe you're the one that comes along and you did the watering. You did one of those waters. And then there's the harvest time where you get to be the one to actually lead that person to Christ. It's so exciting to know that you can do that. You know, every time I come in the pulpit here, I think of this and I feel like I'm, I got a big seed bag and I'm, And how's it going to land? And how's it going to impact people's lives? Throwing seed out there online. You know, we have a radio program that airs Monday through Friday, 5.30 to 6. Cool time. People are trapped in their cars coming home. And it airs in El Paso, in Las Cruces. It airs in Hawaii. It airs in Belize. And every time that airs, I I think about all that seed. And where it's going to land. And who it's going to impact. Every time you throw that seed out. There's potential for great spectacular miracles in people's lives. An obscure Sunday school teacher. Nobody knows this person's name. Invested in Dwight L. Moody as a kid. Dwight L. Moody grew up to become one of the greatest evangelists. He won many others. They, in turn, won others. That Sunday school teacher started a chain reaction that will never stop. You could be like that. Try to inject spiritual truth into all your conversations. Let people know that you're a Christian. People's struggling in your office, give them, give them a Bible verse. Give them encouragement. Sow that seed. And, and, and parent, especially if you're a parent of small children. Boy, sow God's word into the hearts of your little ones. And, and take that to heart, mom, dad. That's your responsibility 
It's not the responsibility of the church youth group, though that's good and they want to do that. And it's not the responsibility of some Christian school that you might enroll. They definitely, kids definitely need mom and dad, right? Pouring that seed in. Being that example. Oh, talk about fruitful seed. Sharing God's word with kids. I think it was D.L. Moody who said, Before a child reaches seven, tell him all the ways to heaven. You make sure kids know. So, sow God's word. Now, again in verse 6, verse 6 also says, Let him who is taught the word... Share in all good things with him who teaches. Now remember, we're, that's talking about, again, in the structure of a church, there are leaders that need to be supported. There are leaders that do ministry, do church full-time, and, and they need to be supported. And I would say to all of us as Christians tonight that it's very important that we support the Lord's work financially. It is very, very important that we're supporting the local church, that we're supporting missionaries, that we're supporting Christian organizations, that we are seeding into that. And all of us as Christians are called to do that. And the Bible teaches that giving money in support of the expansion of God's kingdom is another way to sow. You're sowing. And the Bible promises, Christ promises, that you'll be rewarded. You'll reap. In fact, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll get to this in a few weeks on Sunday morning, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus said, don't put all of your financial investment here. It's not secure. Jesus says, store treasures in heaven, where it is secure, and where it will never, ever lose It's value. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not a financial genius. I'm not an expert. I know there's a lot of people that get paid a lot of money to check out all the stocks and find out what's moving and when to buy and when to sell and all of that. And and that's cool. But I I can't think of a more simpler investment than this. You write a check to support a Christian work. And it gives you treasure in heaven. With no chance of it ever being lost. Or losing value. And heaven's a lot longer than earth. Think about that. The classic passage is from Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 
This I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. That is the law of sowing and reaping. Those who sow sparingly reap sparingly. Those who give bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, every now and then, and, and actually this happens quite a bit. So, my pastor, how much should I give to the church? How much should I give to missions? How much should I give to the Lord's work? We live in the New Testament era. Am I really supposed to give 10%? 10% of gross income or net income? Pre-tax or after-tax? Now, if you're asking questions like that, I always say 10% is a good place to start. But really, if you ask me how much should I give, I should turn around and ask, well, I don't know, how much do you want to reap? Because the law of sowing and reaping is, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. So, you make up your mind. And this verse tells us that we're supposed to give to the Lord's work... Um, with, with a good, cheerful heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. You know, live, give what you've decided in your, in your heart to give and give it cheerfully. Don't be a grouchy giver. Here. The Lord's given you everything, amen? Give to him. I, there was a guy, he was at a church, and it was a church that passed the plate for the offering. And he meant to put a $10 bill in the plate, but he accidentally put a $100 bill in. And so it got to the usher, and he went to the usher and said, let me get that back, please. And the usher said, nope, once in, always in. <laughs> and the guy said, okay, well, at least I'll get credit for $100 in heaven. And the usher said, no, you only get credit for 10 What were you intending to give? What do you give with a cheerful heart? That was a pretty mean usher, wasn't it? <laughs> Gang, this is um, a very, very important part of our lives as Christians. What you do with your finances. Jesus went on to, goes on to say in the Sermon on the Mount, after store up treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. See, the idea is the, one of the biggest issues, top, top issues in our lives is finances and wallet and what you do with it. And if you can give that area of your life to the Lord, man. And by the way, it's not like God's going bankrupt. It's not like, oh, give or heaven's going bankrupt. It's not that at all. God can... can can provide anything at any time he specifically calls that for our benefit not his because giving and trusting God and by the way 
we have a God who promises that he will reward us. And he also promises that if you give and support his work, he'll take care of you. In fact, it says in Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. It's been said time and time again, many, many people have experienced it over and over again, you will never outgive God, ever, ever. How about Malachi? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that they may be food in my house and try me now on this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be not enough room to receive it. Now that does not mean that we are to give as Christians to get. Don't buy into those health and wealth prosperity teachers. Give your seed gift of $100 on Sunday. And on Monday, God's going to give you $1,000 back. No. You don't give to get. You give because you've been given so much. Right? And you're, it, with a joyful heart, you're willing to come alongside other Christians and, and fund God's work. I, I really feel like if you're stingy, and you live life with a closed fist, nothing comes in or out. But if you live like this, God pours in and things go out. So with your finances. One more way to sow, look at verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing what? Good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. My brother and sister in Christ, you sow with good works. Doing good works. I think I quoted this from John Wesley last week or a couple weeks ago, but I'll say it again. John Wesley said, Do all the good you can in all the ways you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. My brother and sister in Christ, listen, we are not saved by good works, right? We're not. We're saved through faith in Christ Jesus who did all the work. But all Christians who have been saved by faith are grateful to God and should in turn live a life that's filled with good works. So I'm telling you, you fill your life with good works. You be the hardest worker where you work the most responsible, diligent, ethical person where you work. You work hard. And then when you come home, you stay busy doing good things with your family. Get involved in a ministry and work hard at it. 
Be involved in church. Work hard at it. Do good works. Get in, in, involved in charitable things in the community. Do good works. My friend, don't live an idle life. Fill up your life with good works. And that'll keep you out of trouble. See, a lot of times as Christians, we think, well, I've got to stop doing bad things. Well, yeah, you do. But don't think if I'm going to spend my life stop doing bad things. Instead, I'm going to spend my life doing good things. Fill your life with good works. And, of course, that means doing good to people. Verse 10, let us do good to all especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, I want to point out that detail. I think that's important. We're to do good to all people. But my brother and sister in Christ, listen carefully. You're especially to do good people, to do good to the brothers and sisters in Christ in the household of faith. You are to be good to fellow Christians. And I think... The Bible, the New Testament, has this beautiful picture of what a local church should be. A local church isn't a group of detached people. A local church is a family. It's a family, and we know each other. And we care for each other, and we serve each other. And we do good works for one another. And then we also do good works, as Paul says, for all at large in your community. Be a do-gooder in the community. At your school. Some community outreach. Being a part of some philanthropic thing that's happening out there. Be known as a doer of good works and let your life be filled at it, filled with it. Verse 10, be careful of this interpretation. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Some say... You know, on those rare occasions, life's very busy, right? On those rare occasions every month or so, when you have opportunity to do good, do good. That's not it. The the language is, as we now have opportunity, the whole world's filled with opportunity. Your whole life is filled with opportunity. Take all that opportunity to do good works. And Paul says you'll reap. Now, he doesn't tell us exactly what we're going to reap in this verse. But I promise you this. If you're doing good works, you're going to reap good things. If you're doing good for people, you'll reap good friendships. You'll reap great support back. You'll reap the opportunity to share Jesus with other people. This law, sowing and reaping, so very, very powerful. My friend, you sow to the Spirit in your life. Sow the Word everywhere you go. Sow with your finances. And sow with your good works. 
and you'll reap great rewards. Now, I do need to say that sowing is hard work. Sowing is hard work. I think some of the hardest working people on planet Earth are farmers. My mom uh, grew up in Oklahoma, and her dad was a wheat farmer. And we'd go visit them during the summers, and and, uh, I would very seldom get to see my granddad because he's gone at the break of dawn, and he was out till the sun came down. He was in that wheat field. He worked hard. And I want you to know, listen, sowing is hard work. But Paul says, let us not grow weary. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep working hard. And by the way, it requires patience as well. I mean, think about, here's a guy that spends all of his time sowing and getting everything. And and when does he reap? Much later. It takes time. Now, I know we live in a day and age where we demand everything right now, but that's immature and it's childish. Listen, it's immature and childish to believe that the law of sowing and reaping takes place in one day. That's immature. You have to sow. You have to work hard. And Paul says, don't lose heart. In due season, you're going to reap. So maybe you pour your life into a ministry. And you wonder, what's going on, man? I don't see much. You keep pouring. Don't give up. You keep praying for somebody in, in, your, in your family. Keep praying. Don't give up. Keep studying. Keep growing. Keep stretching forward, looking ahead. You are promised rewards. The rewards are certain, even if not immediate. And I would even go a step further. The, wor- the rewards are certain even if not received until the next life. Right? But you will be rewarded. Be patient. Work hard. There's another really powerful quote that I saw that just stunned me. And this is how I want to close. We are always sowing our future and reaping our past. Right now, today, right now, in the present, today, you're sowing your future and you're reaping your past. And the same thing will be true tomorrow and the next day. And the next day until the Lord takes us home. So, so wisely. Amen? Think through it. Stay committed. 
Don't think this law doesn't apply to you. It does. All of us. Let's ask the Lord to help us with that. Let's pray through these points. Lord, I thank you for this time in your word. And I thank you for telling us straight up, being so clear. Lord, I pray that as your people, we would be dedicated every day to sowing in to the Spirit. Lord, keep us with that hunger for your word. Lord, guard us from letting garbage enter our minds. Lord, give us the opportunity to sow your word on a day-by-day basis. May May we see those opportunities daily just to share a simple truth with someone. Make us more courageous at work, at school, in this community. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to you with finances. We thank you for the way you've blessed us so in this country. And I ask, Lord, that we would take those blessings that you've blessed us with and we would bless others. Use those finances for your glory. And then, Lord, I pray for that energy that passion, that desire to do good works. To look for ways to do good works every day. To do good to our brothers and sisters. To serve one another. To do good to people in this community. And Lord, I pray for the energy to do this consistently. Help us to work hard. And of course, Lord, independence upon your spirit who empowers us. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd give us patience and we would not lose heart. Take every aspect of our life. May we be sowers for good things. Now, if you're here tonight, heads bowed, eyes closed, and you want to begin to sow and reap spiritual rewards and maturity, the first step, if you haven't taken it, is you need to become a child of God. You need to be given eternal life. You need to become a child in in the family of God, and you need to respond to the gospel message. God sent his son to die on the cross for your sins and rose again that third day. And if you place your faith in him, if you admit your sin and ask him to forgive you, he'll become your Lord and Savior. And he'll give you eternal life. He'll give you a new nature. Give you his spirit. 
then you can spend the rest of your life sowing. Doing all sorts of good things for his glory. But the first step is to receive him. If you have not yet received Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd like to lead you in a prayer right now. Whether you're here or listening online. Maybe the Lord has been drawing you to himself. Give in, humble yourself. And just say, Lord, I humble myself. Lord, I fall before you. I bow before you. You are the Lord. And you're so good. I have sinned. I'm a sinner. And thank you for making it possible for my sins to be washed away. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I place my faith and trust in you right now for salvation. Give me a brand new start. In Jesus' name, amen.